This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey everybody, this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. Thanks for calling in for our second show here. Um, Today we're going to have three sections of the show. And the first section is going to be an overview of Saturn having recently entered Scorpio. What to, how to understand that from an evolutionary point of view, a spiritual point of view, and then also with my own special little added um, uh, condiments and spices about how to approach this transit, kind of um, from the the psycho-spiritual, mental, all this kind of uh, special angles that I work with, uh, given all the the channeled stuff that I do. And then also the same thing on uh, Jupiter retrograding in Gemini, which is uh, a current event as well. The second part of the show will be all about Chiron in 2012, and then the third part will be caller readings. So after about the first half of the show, um, call in uh, to the number. It's 877-230-3062. First, I want to tell you about an upcoming event uh, that I'm doing. It's called Energy is Money is Energy, and it's a course. Uh, I did it in August and September, and um, I filled the class each time with with eight people, kind of a small group to really give personalized attention. And um, this time, it's a little restructured, so there's an MP3 available through my site now that is uh, the introductory teaching for this, explaining the link between energy, money, love, and debt and opening to receive. So it's about transforming debt and opening to receive, but it's not really about abundance, but it is. It's not really about manifestation, but it completely is, based in spiritual uh, truths channeled from Ascended Master Jehudi, uh, the dude I work with. And uh, so the MP3 is available now, and then the class starts on uh, the 20th of October. So you can see my site, ttjacobs.com, for more info about that. So let's get started with uh, Saturn in Scorpio overview. I think... When Saturn makes its way around the wheel, sometimes we fear it. (laughs) Sometimes we're not charmed by what Saturn has to say to us in transit. When it changes signs, a whole area of life is affected. So when Saturn went into Libra, relationships changed. Some relationships ended. Some relationships began but were immediately obviously proving grounds or playgrounds or battlegrounds, kind of depending on what day it was. Um, but, you know, the work Saturn in transit asks us to work was in Libra. And that happened for, for over two and a half years. And, and on uh, October 5th, uh, which was uh, just under a week ago, as of uh, this airing, Saturn went into Scorpio. So I want to talk briefly about the transition from uh, Libra to Scorpio. And if you if you like what you hear, go to my site because I, I produced an almost two-hour MP3 that I'm offering about Saturn all in Scorpio, expanding on all the things I'm going to be talking about right now. So let's not fear Saturn. Let's just recognize that there's an invitation to do something. There's an invitation to roll up our sleeves nose uh, closer, if not on the grindstone, you know, to go to bed a little earlier, get up a little earlier, and do our homework and prepare to do something serious. In Libra, again, it was all about relationship, but when it hits Scorpio, it takes relationship to a deeper level. 
So Saturn and Libra says, are you working hard enough in your relationship to create fairness? Are you communicating honestly enough? Are you building it enough time to be able to hear the other person? All these kind of reality check questions about how information flows between people and how we're creating fairness, balance, harmony, and equality and justice if we are. And of course, the transit says, if you're not working hard enough, like please be realistic, then do something new about it to build in new patterns over the long term to create more success. So that was the Libra thing. Now we're in Scorpio. Scorpio takes Libra to the next level. <laughs> uh, we get a little more intense in Scorpio, and people sometimes fear Scorpio. And if, if you're drawn to my work, you probably don't fear Scorpio quite as much as a lot of people. Um, I have a heavy Scorpio <laughs> signature, as, as uh, my clients and students always find out, because I use myself as a teaching example of how to do Scorpio in a, in a healthy way. Um, not to toot my own horn, but it's just I want to share with you what I've learned over the years from you know living with the impulse to manifest all kinds of Scorpio energies, but then to realize that I can check myself and I have a choice about what to manifest. Um, so Saturn coming to Scorpio says, it's all about power. Who gets to be strong when? Um, this is about relationships, you know, the deeper level beyond Libra, but it's also about how you perceive your capacity or your ability to be strong in given situations. For all of human history, we've been cycling through power over and power under, and that's how we have gotten to know Pluto, Scorpio, and the eighth house. Well, now we're ready to move beyond that, and for you to navigate Saturn and Scorpio well, uh, you really need to become aware of where you feel strong and weak and why. And then also, that's the first level. Second level, look at your judgments about strong and weak and where they came from. Because now Saturn's in Scorpio, we're also talking about models of empowerment that we've absorbed. So if I decide that, you know, let's just pick a random Scorpionic quality. If I decide that honesty is empowering, that sounds noble to many of our ears. <laughs> That's what I want my, my Saturn and Scorpio transit to be like. But you've inherited models that may or may not work for you. So that may be a wonderful thing that, that you realize about yourself or that you see is already in play or is developing. But it's important to understand where the model came from. Saturn and Scorpio says, on one level, please be empowered through letting go of old ideas of what should be happening and embracing what actually needs to be happening right now in order to move you forward into the kind of life you want to live. Remember, Saturn is always about creating something over the long term in order to be successful. Because people fear Saturn, sometimes, right, we can, we can dread it. <laughs> and because sometimes people feel fear Scorpio, I'm encouraging you to look at what about these ideas Saturn in Scorpio might make you nervous. <laughs> and again, go through uh, the layers of history that you may have absorbed about Saturn and or Scorpio and just undo them one by one. The MP3 available through 2djacobs.com, I mentioned, uh, is an important tool in that. It's almost two hours going into all this stuff, uh, including all the themes associated with Saturn and Scorpio. So truth, honesty, empowerment, trust is a huge one uh, that, that we're going to all be exploring through this. The transit is almost three years, uh, including a, an edge into Sagittarius and then a retrograde back. So it leaves uh, Scorpio for the last time in just under th uh, three years from now, uh, in uh, September of, of 2015. So we have some time. 
to uh, to work with this. And if you have placements in Scorpio or the other fixed signs, Taurus, Leo, and Aquarius, you know you're going to be activated in challenging ways, probably, and in other signs, probably triggered and stimulated and pushed and pulled uh, to do some things differently. But when I'm working with people on Scorpio issues, I always encourage them to understand that whenever they come up against something that seems stronger, the best thing to do is to evaluate the definition of strength that's in play. I'll give you a little bit of of a shortcut for all the Scorpionic Plutonian work that I do with people. Since we've lived through duality, it hasn't really worked, but it's been necessary for developing as humans to learn about, you know, strength, which ultimately is the self-confidence, which is a form of self-love through the lens of material reality. But if I have strength, what I had to do to get there may have actually prevented others from being strong. So that's the model of duality that doesn't work. Actual strength comes from complete, total, utter, unflinching, unabashed, unashamed self-awareness, and then insert all those adjectives again, self-acceptance. And this is where we get the idea with uh, Pluto work, scorpionic work being shadow work. We have to look at all the dark corners where parts of us are hiding because they think they're not welcome, because they're angry or pained, etc. And then we have to deal with them one by one and let them know that they are accepted, which is to say loved. And when you do that, you don't have a bunch of plutonic, scorpionic, eighth house you know, buttons that can be pushed inadvertently in situations where you feel like your strength is being threatened. Sometimes when I talk about this, it, it sounds very uh, like hyper-dramatized, but this is <laughs> but this is really, you know, when we really dig deep down into Pluto territory, there's a, there's some drama. So uh, I always get the image sometimes uh, next to my desk that there's a, a giant, like when I'm working with a client and doing um, energy work or talking about the astrology of this stuff, and I get the image of a giant red button. It's about a foot and a half to two feet in diameter, and it's on the wall next to me. And uh, the Plutonian thing is to have these buttons that parts of us uh, hit and we start to panic because we're afraid of being powerless or disempowered or not strong. And so I always get that image of a giant red button. But when you know aspects of yourself and when you choose to accept them and then make proactive, positive, loving choices based in the heart of what you want to be doing, then you can move on and not have this, these buttons like diminish. One of the examples is when I feel particularly scorpionically hurt, a part of me would, would want to sting. And right? a part of me wants to do that. But I've come out of letting that part run anything. So very often, I tell my clients this a lot, so I, I don't feel that self-conscious telling you this, but maybe a little I do because I said that. But there's a part of me that really needs to express how it's hurt. The scorpionic way of expressing how it's hurt sometimes is a little revenge fantasy. So I indulge in that for three three or four days, usually about three days, and then I decide not to do it. But I let this part of me revel in the fact that I can respond to being hurt. So I'm going to invite you through the next almost three-year transit of Saturn and Scorpio to get to know these parts of you. Uh, you're going to be much better off. And anything in Saturn and Scorpio that you're reading uh, or hearing from from different astrologers or around that makes you nervous, just understand that we're not always clear about how to look into these darker parts of ourselves that carry intense, deep, you know, uh, apocalyptic or cataclysmic anger and or pain. And uh, we're not always sure how to do that. So some of our responses are to fear Scorpio and to fear Saturn. But you have the opportunity now over the next almost three years 
to get to the bottom of some patterns of, of disempowerment that uh, are going to be really, really uh, important uh, for you to do. And now moving on to Jupiter retrograde in Gemini. We couldn't be talking about two more different energies here at the top of the show, Saturn in Scorpio and Jupiter in Gemini. <laughs> so we couldn't be talking about two more different energies. Wherever Jupiter is transiting, we have the opportunity to expand. In Gemini, it's been uh, lately through new information, new perspective, new ideas. Are there things that are trying to catch our attention that actually open our minds? That's Jupiter expansion. Well, one of the things I've been saying about this is that no matter what you believe is happening, you're probably wrong. And the transit of Jupiter and Gemini is a savior energy. This amazing opportunity to find out that you're wrong. You know, all humans are guided by and shaped by belief. And, and Jupiter here, the, ex, the planet of expansion, is asking us to open our minds. Now, Jupiter's transiting the sign opposite its rulership, Sagittarius. So it's in unfamiliar territory. It's in a strange country. And it's in a grocery store, and it doesn't speak the language, and it's supposed to put together, uh, you know, a, a dinner for five later, but it can't read all the menu, it can't read all the uh, ingredients on the labels because this is a strained language. So it's got to learn, it's got to improvise. Now the retrograde—that's just the basic overview. The, the retrograde part of this is that we have to rethink how we've been expanding. And this happens for about five months every year, uh, and it just began last week. So Jupiter retrograding in Gemini, you've been expanding with your mind. You've been expanding with your voice, with um, information gathering techniques, perhaps with reading and studying. But now Jupiter is retrograde and it says, rethink how and why you've been doing those things. For me, when Jupiter hit Gemini, I felt freedom <laughs> because I, I'm very, very Sagittarian. I have a stellium in Sagittarius and and Sagittarius on the cusp of the third, and then Jupiter in the third, though it's in Capricorn. So a very kind of strong third house Jupiter signature. And when uh, transiting Jupiter on the other side of the chart hit Gemini, I felt a release because I learned some things about uh, what I was doing and thinking, even old ideas, old beliefs, and they were wrong. And I said, everybody needs to have this experience. <laughs> everybody needs to be, you know, randomly doing a chore or walking somewhere and realize that this thing that's been in their head for 10 years has been wrong. So Jupiter and Gemini in general wants us to open up and to have a little bit of uh, freshness come back in from new information, letting ourselves be distracted by new things and gathering, uh, gathering new data. And then with the retrograde, we have to also be aware, uh, or we're invited to also be aware of how that process works. And are we overextended, perhaps, when it comes to Gemini information in and out? Are we are we perhaps talking too much? Are we not talking enough? Are we, you know, is the balance not working? So every year, Jupiter's retrograde period gives us a chance to figure out where expansion has either uh, come to need some retraction or reshaping, refocusing. And in Gemini, it's about information in and out. So that takes us to uh, the first break of the show. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2012 is here. To evolve now, we must understand ourselves on all levels. It's time to live more consciously, release the past, heal our emotions, and develop solid boundaries going forward. What's the bottom line? We need to be present. A Living in the Present Tense Astrology Report by Tom Jacobs explores four points in your birth chart to help you upgrade your experience of energy and emotion. Pluto, Chiron, Lilith, and the asteroid Lucifer as Lightbringer are explained to help you heal and experience your multidimensional self. Readers call this report amazing, beautifully written, right on the mark. Join others living in the present tense today. Order your report through tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. Hi everybody! Welcome back. This is Tom Jacobs, and um, you just heard a you just heard a commercial for the Soul's Journey soundbite. If you're like me, you tune out commercials, but I just want to put your attention <laughs> attention on that because that's your opportunity. It's a 15 minute, which really turns into 16 to 18 minutes because I'm verbose. But it's a it's a reading where you get to sit with me basically on MP3, and I'm telling you about what your soul is here to do. And I compress a, a tremendous amount of information. So the, the Soul's Journey soundbite, and here we have the, the title of the show being The Soul's Journey. Really, I want everyone who hears the show to get a soundbite so they can understand how powerful this, this information and this perspective can be. So again, welcome back to The Soul's Journey. My name is Tom Jacobs. I'm on the web at tdjacobs.com. And uh, in the first part of the show, we talked about a couple of current events with transits of uh, Saturn entering Scorpio and Jupiter retrograding in Gemini. Now we're shifting focus to Chiron and 2012. This is a topic that is entirely special to my dear little heart. Um, a few years ago, when I, after the, the channeling had officially begun, but I, I was doing it in a learning, tutoring way, like a, the Ascended Master was giving me answers and I was learning, I started to ask some questions about what would happen in 2012. And this was uh, April of 2008. So at that time, it seemed you know, like three eternities and two forevers away. Like it wasn't something that was, it was on our minds, but it wasn't something that I was working with all the time. And obviously, you know, we're, we're approaching the end of 2012 now. So a lot more people were talking about it. But I, I heard these prophecies and people who were saying that they were interpreting the Mayans and all this stuff. And I was just, it just didn't sit well. So I sat down and I asked uh, the Ascended Master in all of his faces, uh, Jehudi Thoth, St. Germain and Merlin, what uh what's going to happen in 2012 and the the answer was hey here's a really interesting perspective on chiron that you could teach people to help them come out of woundedness and i said oh that's great thank you and i wrote i wrote stuff down usually when i was channeling like that i I wasn't writing things down but i made a point of writing it down because it wasn't the answer i asked for so i figured i'd forget it if i got the the answer i had been waiting for so that was that 
And then I said, wow, that's great. Thanks. Um, so it came back about six more times. And I kept asking the same question, kind of almost playfully tongue-in-cheek, like, what is going on here? And it wasn't until the fourth or fifth session where I said, what's going to happen with 2012? And I got the Chiron teaching that I turned into the, the astrology teaching that you can get in the form of the Chiron course and also the Chiron book, which is a, an edited transcription of that course. Uh, and actually, right now, uh, each is 20% off through my site, so you can go to tdjacobs.com and get info on that. Uh, the audio course is 12 hours of um, me talking like this about Chiron, but there is a there is a hint of uh, channeling in there, and some people who have listened to the audio course um, have reported altered states following even showing up somewhere and using someone else's name when they're registering for something, because just a little altered from the uh, vibration. So the book is just a straight info, but I still offer the, the Chiron course, the full audio, because it, it the vibration comes in, and that's important. But essentially... I said what was going to happen in 2012, and the Ascended Master said, help people heal what is in their hearts so they can then learn to operate themselves more consciously as heart-centered beings. And that was where I said, oh, that's great. And then the next session took that further and said, you know, everybody's vulnerable, but wherever a person's chiron is, is the person is hypersensitive to the reactions of others. And I said, oh, well, that's great. And then the next session, the real deal about this, <laughs> they're leading, you know, he's leading me into a, a, a broad, a robust awareness of this. And it, it took several sessions. And the real thing, and this is kind of how I would sum it up if somebody said in one sentence, I, I don't know why anyone would torture me by limiting me to a sentence, but if I had to. What's Chiron about? I would say Chiron as a function in the human psyche is an energy antenna, a sensitizer to energy. That still counts as one sentence, even though I added another clause. So you can't catch me on that one. So basically, if Mercury is perception function and Saturn is the structure function, right, we're being very reductive here, but Chiron is the energy antenna. Now, one of the fundamental truths that goes with this whole Chiron teaching that's explored in the course in the book is that each person carries this energy antenna, and each person is sensitive to energy. Now, if you're on, you know, you're listening to Contact Talk Radio, you're aware of this. If you're following my work, you're aware of this. We're energetic beings. We're not just brains that happen to have bodies and bodies that happen to have minds, that are controlling the world and everything else. <laughs> but we are energetic beings and we function on many levels. We experience energy and we respond emotionally. This is a key, if you will, since uh, those of you familiar with Chiron uh, know it, the symbol, the glyph, is a key. Uh, the book, by the way, is called Chiron 2012 in the Aquarian Age, The Key and How to Use It. <laughs> so uh, kind of like titling things, you know, in a, in a relevant way. And to understand more about our responses as emotional beings is the thing. So, you know, what's going to happen in 2012? And now that we're in 2012, it's easier to kind of say what's going to happen at the end of the Mayan calendar. And I believe that it ended in October of last year, which I don't mean to confuse you or add too many, you know, silly variables. But, but basically what would happen at the end of the Mayan calendar? And it tracks the evolution of consciousness. And when it's done, tools are available. More tools than we have ever had available are available. 
uh, they sh- the Ascended Master showed me an image of, say you have a toolbox you carry around, you're used to using the eight tools in there, and you're pretty flexible uh, about using them. But suddenly, there are three more in there. And then a mu- and you, weren't, you didn't do anything special. Just three more tools appeared. And you're not quite sure how to use them, but you can kind of start to see how you might figure it out. And then a month later, there are five more, and suddenly you have this full toolbox. You might still be habituated to the eight you already had. You might look at the shape of these new tools and say, I just do not like the shape. <laughs> you might not want to use them, but they're now available. So one of the major uh, things about this is that the veils between dimensions have dissolved. Functionally, day-to-day basis, how that works is your past life consciousness portions can bleed through to this life even more strongly than usual. It's a huge story. I'm trying to give you the basics. So don't, you know, don't get stressed if you're not completely following this because I'm trying, I'm doing my best to reduce this to some core essentials. Um, so it's like a 90,000 word book, 12 hour audio. I mean, it's like, it's a big story. Um, but basically we have, um, this opportunity to learn about ourselves more as emotional beings experiencing energy. And the energy is now available to us across time. What it means is that we can heal past life issues more easily if we're willing to start using these new tools. So I've been given a number of new tools, and uh, I work with people now on integrating uh, past life issues and, and integrating inner kid parts. The Chiron thing has a lot to do with inner kids because when we are born, that we are this feeling antenna. We are this energy antenna. We don't have logic. We can't reason. And nobody can sit us down and teach us something or explain something to us. So we are born into a family system where there is a particular climate of emotional dynamic. And we absorb it. We breathe it in. Now, the Chiron thing, and that that has to do with the family being a perfect incubator for our karma, which keep listening to the show because we'll definitely get into that <laughs> over, the sh- over, the, over the weeks. Um, but we have this hypersensitivity to the reactions of others to us wherever our Chiron is placed. So, you know, if your Chiron is in the first house, you're hypersensitive to how people react to your body and your personality. If it's in the 10th house, you're hypersensitive to how people respond to you as somebody worthy of respect or developing something worth listening to or worth consuming. You know, if it's in the ninth house, it's about belief. If it's in the eleventh house, about your unique contribution to a group. So all the way around the wheel, we have this hypersensitivity to the reactions of others. When you call me, another you know, you being an otherwise fully functioning adult, you might say, "There's this persistent pattern that I can't shake." And some people have even said to me, "I've been doing this in therapy for years, but I'm not sure what to do." And sometimes it is an inner kid who cannot be reasoned with, right? Who cannot be talked out of pain. So what I do with this this uh, Chiron teaching and how I um, work with clients individually is to multidimensionally build bridges and other nice poetic phrases, but to, to build these bridges between the inner kid and the present day self and then teach this kid that he or she is safe and teach the adult how to parent the kid in ways that he or she never got. Because what happens is there's a rejection that is experienced with everybody with his or her Chiron, but it happens in infancy, so you can't think your way out of it later. 
it's a different modality. It's feeling. So many times people must connect with the heart. And that's where the Ascended Master, you know, one face of whom is St. Germain, the keeper and the guardian of the violet flame of forgiveness, right? This compassion energy. St. Germain teaches us to channel this flame in order to burn off judgment and hatred of self and other. So a lot of the time channeling that was kind of coming over across his channel because it was all about compassionate response. So we want to live in our hearts, but we have to deal with what we might be storing in there. And some of that, related to Chiron stuff, will be from infancy. So you might call me for a reading, and I might say, let's talk about what happened when you were 10 days old. And of course, you don't remember it. And I can tell you, I can look at the symbolism in your chart, but then I can look, and this is part of the the blessing that I've received is developing the intuitive, multidimensional blah, blah, blah that I use in my work, looking at past lives and inner kids and you know, doing integration work and, and retrieval and all this kind of thing. But getting a, a clear energetic emotional statement from the part that hurts because uh, and, and then teaching you, the client, how to how to take care of that part better. Because what happens is uh, and this image comes through a lot when we're when we're doing this work and it's you're driving your car down the road and you think, oh, I'm going to end up in Chicago today. I love Chicago. And a part of you in the backseat, there are a bunch of inner kids in the backseat or past life parts. And a part of you says, wait a minute, something terrible happened in Chicago. That's the last place I want to go. And that part reaches over your shoulder, takes the wheel, and drives you off into a cornfield. And you're sitting in the cornfield saying, wait a minute, I was driving. I, what happened? Why did I do this? If you get really self-reflective and you talk to people about these things, eventually you'll assign – I mean probably eventually you'll assign the phrase self-sabotage. But – um, it's not enough to look at self-sabotage and how that happens without really making clear and direct, meaningful and heartfelt, compassionate, loving connection with the inner kids who are driving you off the road and doing the sabotage. Basically, there could be this is how it works. There could be a past life where something terrible happened in Chicago or Illinois or North America. Part of you hears Chicago and is like, well, that sounds like a place that would be terrible. It could be an inner kid you visited there and somebody scolded you and it was particularly painful. Like, you know, all different kinds of triggers, but basically you're saying this is where we're headed and all these parts might say, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Let me derail us. So the Chiron story has us, by default, the, the, the inner kid takes over and we are filled with the painful emotion. And that's when we break down. We can't talk. So, you know, this whole Chiron story, it's represented in the book and the course, uh, you know, it all brings you into your heart to look for a baby who was inadvertently, probably inadvertently, rejected by a parent figure who couldn't energetically connect you in that moment. That's the source of self-sabotage. I must not be lovable, so I'm going to hurt myself. I'm not going to care much for myself. I'm not going to get myself to Chicago where wonderful things could happen or whatever that destination is for you. It could be self-confidence. It could be creative expression. It could be a job that you love. It could be a dynamic relationship that fulfills you or whatever. Whatever your destination, if there are pained parts of you that, that you know are related to Chiron, they'll drive you off the road. And it could happen a hundred times in a row. 
and you in your brainy glory, because welcome to Earth, you're a human, 21st century, your brain is very, very strong and highly developed, you can't talk your way out of that pain. So check out the Chiron book, check out the course, uh, they're each called Chiron 2012 and the Aquarian Age, the key and how to use it. Again, the, the audio is about 12 hours of MP3s, and they do carry some of the the channeling uh, vibration, and people have reported wonderful, even just consciousness openings from learning that astrology teaching through that. Uh, and then also the, the book is the edited uh, transcription. So that takes us up to our, our second break. And when we come back, you'll uh, give us a call. And we'll do some readings. Again, the number is 877-230-3062. wired is no accident your soul has divine intentions for this life understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world a soul's journey soundbite from astrologer and channel tom jacobs is a 15 minute mp3 reading on your major life themes tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you your values passions fears and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your soul's journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com 2012 is here to evolve now we must understand ourselves on all levels it's time to live more consciously release the past heal our emotions and develop solid boundaries going forward what's the bottom line we need to be present a Living in the Present Tense Astrology Report by Tom Jacobs explores four points in your birth chart to help you upgrade your experience of energy and emotion. Pluto, Chiron, Lilith, and the asteroid Lucifer as Lightbringer are explained to help you heal and experience your multidimensional self. Readers call this report amazing, beautifully written, right on the mark. Join others living in the present tense today. Order your report through tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs, and we've been uh, talking about Chiron and 2012. The phone lines are open, so here's the number again to call in and get a, a reading on your chart about just about anything. But if you have questions on Chiron, uh, that would be interesting to follow up what we just talked about. The number is 877-230-3062. Feel free to, to give us a call. With um, transforming this channeled uh, info about Chiron into an astrology teaching was um, – was kind of a was kind of a challenge, but it was kind of exciting. Basically, I was shown the the template for how Chiron happens in a person. This energy antenna, this experiencing energy but responding emotionally, and then a lot of stuff about compassionate response and needing to live in the heart. But also, I haven't mentioned this yet about Chiron. We sometimes absorb sensitivity from others. We absorb their emotions because we're absorbing energy from the world around us. You know what it's like to walk in a room feel funny, 
and find out a minute later that people were just arguing. Even if nobody's in the room, there's an energy in the room. That's your chiron, sensing. You know, this is a normal human faculty. And so it was shown how this works uh, through, from these channeled sessions with the Ascended Master or Ascended Masters. And um, turning it into astrology teaching, actually articulating it through all the houses, all the signs, uh, and articulating it through uh, all the aspects, uh, and all, including the transits of Chiron to Chiron and progressions to Chiron. It was really um, it was really kind of a, a monumental task. When I finished this 12-hour audio, I took a deep breath for about a month and just kind of couldn't believe that this had just happened because as I did it, I was also channeling a little bit and it's kind of in that um, liminal space uh, where I exist now most of the time, but at that time I was going in and out uh, consciously. And um, so it was, it was really, it was really quite a thing. And when the book was released, the audio course first and then transcription uh, were released, I was getting such incredible feedback from astrologers who had been using Chiron perhaps for decades, but didn't quite feel solid with the whole wounded or wounded healer thing. And that's what I didn't mention because I was trying to um, compress so much in the, in the previous section of the, of the show. But uh, we've been taught that Chiron leaves you wounded, or you can opt to be a wounded healer if you have your head on straight. <laughs> and that was what bothered me. Um, when we look at that, that led me to ask questions eventually about about it and to stay open to these teachings, but the um, the story that comes down to us has Chiron uh, as a god, but he's immortal, and at one point he's wounded. And s- stories differ uh, from some sources about the details, but basically he's poisoned, but he can't die because he's immortal. So he goes through everything that he knows how to do in order to. Um, in order to figure out how to heal this, and then he can't figure it out, so he makes a deal to trade his immortality for Prometheus's. And Prometheus, by this time, is chained up to this giant rock, having his liver eaten out by a vulture daily. Um, so, you know, there's a, he's, he does this trade-off. He's allowed to die. He's actually allowed to give life to somebody else where he can't heal himself. So that's where we get this idea of the the wounded healer can't heal him or herself. And I just thought this was nonsense and it didn't sit well with me. And then I asked about 2012 separately and these teachings came in and everything made sense. And this basic idea is that wounding is a result or byproduct of energetic sensitivity. I'm hypersensitive to how you respond to me. So I can develop wounding and carry it. Um, And the other byproduct is wounded healer. If I have my head on straight, if I have my act together, well, maybe I can help you with what we happen each to, to share in common is pain. Basically, I can see your pain, understand it, because it resonates or echoes mine. So uh, if we leave it that we have the option of being wounded or wounded healer, life is boring. It means that I'm stuck in pain or I can deal with everybody else's problems. Like I can be obsessed with my own problems and feel sorry for myself. And Carolyn Mace has a great word called it's woundology, basically communicating through our wounds, like defining ourselves and identifying as what what has hurt us in the past, or I can be kind of in a counselor position. So I've you know found myself. I have a prominent Chiron. It's aspecting everything in my chart, including angles and nodes, except Pluto. <laughs> everything else in my chart it aspects, and so I've I've kind of learned this the hard way, where you know to develop healthy energetic boundaries is really uh, important. I'm available to help you if I can, when I can. You can bring me your, your heartache. You can bring me your story. 
I will help you while you're with me, you know, while I'm available. And then I don't absorb anything from you. So I use the Chiron energy sensitivity to even read your chakras or even yeah, I had a client today was talking with her and I had, I had eaten something that my body really liked. So there was no kind of negative response. But when I was talking to her, I started to have to clear my throat over and over again. And it was because she was having fifth chakra issues. So I have that ability to kind of echo and mimic and, and, uh, you know, the empathic thing. Um, but that happens while I'm on the phone with you for informational purposes only. So we do have, we do have a caller. Uh, Wendy is calling in. Wendy, are you on the line? I am. Hi, Tom. Nice to Hi. You. Thanks for calling in. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm good, thank you. So, um, so you've been listening to us talk about uh, talk about the Chiron thing. What's what's your question? Well, I have been listening to you talk about the Chiron thing, and initially I thought I'd like to talk a little bit about Pluto going over my midheaven, but I'm yeah. open if Chiron is speaking to you. To, to talk a bit about Chiron as well. No, let's let's do Pluto on your midheaven. Let's do Pluto on your midheaven. It seems big. It feels big. It is big. It's huge. And I mean, in the short term, it's still. Uh, actually, let me give. Is it okay if I give out your birthday so people can follow along? Absolutely. Okay, so Wendy is February fourteenth, nineteen fifty-one. That's one nine five one, at nine oh six a.m. in of all places, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh so here we have this midheaven at 11 Capricorn, and Pluto is obviously about 7 Capricorn. Um, in the short term, the Pluto had, you know, did go over your own Chiron, so you had a, you know, invitation to bulldoze ideas of wounding or woundedness, you know, and that, that happened for several years. And then the Pluto moved into a direct opposition with your Uranus and Cancer in the third, and you know, so there's a separate process with that. Um, so it's kind of all building towards this midheaven. Um, who you are in the world. And how much respect you get needs to be transformed. It's also about ambition and what you actually do in the world. There needs to be some bulldozing so you can build up some some better things in, in, in its place. Do you have a specific question or you just kind of want me to jam for a minute? Um, you're doing it. Okay, I'm doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, just so for, for everyone else's benefit, Wendy and I have worked together, so I am familiar – like with her guides and I can kind of hear pretty quickly, you know, what's wh- where to get guided to. Um, so yeah, so who you are in the world and, um, you know, the 10th house is about what we also, how we want to be perceived, but it, it is what we do and what we want, how we want to be perceived. Um, I don't want to be uh, card or rigid about it and say that it's about work, but it will affect work if it's not solely about work. Also your role in your community. Now, when I talk about Pluto transits, I, I always go back to natal Pluto because uh, I think, Wendy, you probably know that about me because um, how you relate to this Plutonian invitation to become empowered is affected by your own natal Pluto. So then we look uh, at your fifth house in Leo and it's retrograde. So you're, you're, you know, you're on Earth to learn how to express yourself. You know, it's a huge uh, Leo and the fifth house thing where they intersect. Uh, you know, to develop an opinion – to believe in your right to have an opinion and then to express it, but it's retrograde. So you have to retool what you think empowerment is in that context. So you might be surrounded by people who tap dance and paint and do stand-up comedy. And these are standard Leo fifth house forms. But Pluto's retrograde for you. So they might not work for you. Like the obvious Leo thing might not work for you. And so that's kind of your baseline challenge. Does that all make sense? It does. 
and and you know the other wrinkle for in my chart is yeah. the opposition to the sun. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They, yeah. They tend to oppose the the basic personality, you know, sun and Aquarius and eleven thousand. So come learn to express yourself, but there's a challenge. There's an inner relationship yeah. challenge. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, so now that it gets implicated somewhat when Pluto comes to your midheaven because you're supposed to bring yourself out in the world in a way that gets you noticed in some way, but it's going to be a Plutonian way. I'm, you know, it's in Capricorn, right? But I'm going to suggest that you focus on the Leo expressiveness hmm. because the baseline root thing is your natal chart. So, but it's going to be out in the world and it's kind of like your fifth house stuff, including that opposition to the, the 11th house sun in Aquarius, that stuff now is going to take a public stage, but you have the choice about whether or not that's weird, uncomfortable, or a rocket ship into something cool, like into some cool stratosphere. So the, the, the choice comes down to if you find yourself confronting 10th house egos, right, whether it's in a work situation or community situation or neighborhood, right, can just be like the, 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 the kind of people you live around who don't know you well. That's a 10th house thing as well because you're, you know, we don't, it's like 10th house. We see each other from afar as opposed mm-hmm. to the first house where we're up close. So any of those dynamics with ego stuff, because Sun and Aquarius opposes Pluto and Leo natally, that stuff is going to come a little front and center and be a little more available to your public self. And it's the opportunity to transform, but you're going to have to check any impulses to either quiet your ego or carry forward karma, which are beliefs about ego, what it should be or should not be. And you're just going to kind of have to retool things and and work on staying as present as possible while you're feeling what you're feeling, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it could be it could be a change of work. Uh, it could be if you don't change work. It can also, or it could be both, but it could also be um, people approaching you like your Pluto. Right? They might want you to transform something with or for them, or they might come up to you and say, look, I'm Pluto. I'm going to change this in your world. And those are some of the, the variations, but it all would suit that energy of Pluto coming to your midheaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so, so lots, get, yeah. Go, go ahead, please. That gives me lots to ponder and sit with. And- yeah, good. And just keep in mind that the Uranus is squaring the midheaven I see the whole time too. <laughs> so you, you know, it's more, more change. And I would, I would offer the, you know, Uranus lightning bolt from the gods are coming from Aries in the 12th house. So you have this, I think we talked about this when we talked about your Eris at some point in the last few months, uh, with the, the lightning bolts from the gods about, um, following a thing that that changes your your midheaven IC balance, but the kind of energy of sudden change is also. It's like we can't talk about the Pluto here without also talking about that Uranus too. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in the and short the current, term. Yeah. 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 Well, so great. Thanks for calling. It, oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to hear you back on the air. Keep Thanks, up a with <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye, Wendy. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when when uh anybody asks a question of any astrologer these days uh, where transiting Pluto uh or Uranus is involved, uh, we have to include 
both of them together. Uh, they're, they're traveling in this, uh, you know, off and on in this square dynamic between now and 2015. Uh, we've already had two, uh, late June and then around mid-September of this year. On the second one, on September 18th, happened while Pluto was uh, stationing after its uh, five-month retro period. So there's a, a huge amount of Plutonian Capricornian pressure about about this with Uranus setting some things off, uh, you know, roughly three weeks ago. So, yeah, so keep in mind whenever you have a question about one of these transits, you have to look at each of them together and understand uh, that Uranus is trying to get you to free yourself while it's pressuring uh, the part of the, you know, the planet in the sky, Pluto, that's asking about who's in charge of your life. This is about freedom, but I'll, I'll ask you to keep in mind, uh, for, for your own benefit, uh, I'll ask you to keep in mind that you might see that it looks like it's about freedom from some existing scenario, but it's probably really about freedom from how your consciousness is set up right now. Like, like we talked about Saturn going into Scorpio, uh, earlier in the show, and there's this uh, mutual reception, mutual rulership with uh, Pluto in Capricorn and now Saturn in Scorpio, which is also covered in that MP3 uh, available through tdjacobs.com. And this, you know, who gets to be strong when? And so this Pluto and Capricorn dynamic uh, over the next few years uh, will coincide with Saturn in, in Scorpio, calling up old ways of being asking us to look at where did I get that idea that I shouldn't speak up? Where did that idea come from that I shouldn't do what I want to do? I shouldn't ask for this or, or offer that. That's a huge thing for a lot of people right now. Because one of the things with, as far as I'm concerned, with Uranus and Aries added to this equation is that you actually have a, a cache of genius waiting to develop something amazing and wonderful. But do you, on a regular basis... Give yourself permission to develop that and be that original genius uh, that you have inside you. Everybody has an inner Uranus, and transiting Uranus is asking us to explore that through Aries, explore that energy of individuation, uniqueness, freedom, and perhaps rebellion through Aries. So I want to recap uh, the upcoming events. Uh, the energy is money is energy course is uh, coming up. On uh, October 20th is when the affirmations get sent out. And these are channeled affirmations from uh, our friend, our unseen friend, the Ascended Master Jehudi. And, um, and there's also some instructions about how to work an affirmation process. And one of my goals with this course is to teach you how to work an affirmation process effectively. It's not just enough to say, I'm happy, I'm happy, you know, a, a billion times until you don't even understand what the words mean as an affirmation. You have to deal with the parts of you that aren't happy. <laughs> and if you give yourself permission to be your, your own free, unique, creative genius, you then have to deal with the parts of you that are afraid to do it or that did it in the past but felt limited. So this course is also about teaching you, uh, you know, insights from the Ascended Master about how to work that process. So the affirmations go out on uh, the 20th, and then the two class commitments are uh, October 27th and November 3rd uh, for, for a couple hours. And... Um, also, just to put your attention on the fact that I do uh, quite a bit of channeling work on a regular basis, and um, I do full moon calls uh, right around the full moon with the Ascended Master Jehudi, and these are opportunities to ground deeply to the earth and have Jehudi do energy work to clear blocks uh, for you connecting to the earth, uh, and also do a set of affirmations to clear uh, beliefs, energies, attitudes, and things that we've carried forward or absorbed that don't work for us, or that we 
have worked for us, but we're ready to evolve out of. So these are incredible opportunities. I have five of those recordings available on my site. And then the sixth one was uh, the Consciousness Upgrade Clinic, which I have mentioned last week. And that's uh, an incredibly empowering thing to, you know, if, if you read a bunch of books from me or read channel material or, or have a bunch of astrology readings and tarot and palmistry, all these things, and angel readings, etc. And then you say, what's next? A consciousness upgrade is what's next. So you can read about that at ttjacobs.com. And the last thing uh, to tell you um, is kind of to give, I want to give you an overview. I, I neglected to do this last week uh, because it was the first show. And uh, yeah, as I said, I was just a little nervous. But since then, I've gotten some uh, helpful, encouraging feedback from people and people saying, but you have over 20 videos on YouTube. Tell people. So uh, there are over 20 videos on YouTube. And it's uh, Tom Jacobs Astro. You can just search for Tom Jacobs Astrologer or anything like that. And there is a series, uh, if you're interested in what I was talking about, the evolution of consciousness in 2012, there's a series of, I think, nine videos that are titled, you know, End of the Mayan Calendar 1, 2, 3, etc. I know you can count, uh, so I don't need to finish that for you. <laughs> but, um, but nine videos on that stuff, and then a sort of videos on other things, including a mediumship uh, uh, thing that I did uh, where I mistakenly uh, turned a camera on and it was in my pocket, and then I went through. So you don't, you don't. Anyway, check check out the YouTube channel because there's a lot of interesting things, and then also a bunch of just videos about um, consciousness raising and some astrology stuff too. So that um, you can follow me on Twitter and also on uh, Facebook, and you can sign up for uh, my email list at tdjacobs.com. And um, yeah, I think that that's a. Uh, I think that's a good show, and thank you, Wendy, for for calling in. And I hope that you guys were were able to follow along uh, with her chart. Um, and yeah, this astrology—it's it's interesting to look at the soul's journey and to see uh, where we're coming from. And the where we're going has everything to do with what we decide to believe is happening. So thanks for listening. My name is Tom Jacobs. This has been The Soul's Journey on Contact Talk Radio, and you can read more about my work at tdjacobs.com. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's TD. J-A-C-O-B-S dot com.